This evening, our scripture reading is from that familiar 124th Psalm. It is a song of David, a song of ascents. It was sung by the people of Israel as they went to Jerusalem to worship the Lord and to offer their sacrifices there. It's found on page 612 in the Pew Bible, the 124th Psalm, the word of our Lord. If it had not been the Lord who was on our side, let Israel now say, if it had not been the Lord who was on our side, when people rose up against us, then they would have swallowed us up alive. When their anger was kindled against us, then the flood would have swept us away. The torrent would have gone over us. Then over us would have gone the raging waters. Blessed be the Lord, who has not given us as prey to their teeth. We have escaped like a bird from the snare of the fowlers. The snare is broken, and we have escaped. Our help is in the name of the Lord, who made heaven and earth. And may the Lord bless the reading of his word to your life and to mine as we look at it together this evening. Brothers and sisters in the Lord Jesus Christ, many people have agonized over the what-ifs if life in life. What if I would have chosen a different career? How would my life be different from the way it is today? Or what if I had been born at a different time in history, a hundred or, or a thousand years ago? What would my life be like? Or if I had been born in a different land, how would it impact my life? Or for you children and young people, what if I had a different set of parents? <laughs> you know, sometimes some other families look to have things that you desire. What if? Although the word if has only two letters, it can represent monumental change. And David recognized that. He begins this psalm by writing, if, if it had not been the Lord who was on our side, let Israel now say, if it had not been the Lord who was on our side, when people rose up against us, then they would have swallowed us up alive. Commentators are divided on what circumstance or what historical event David is writing about in this passage. Many believe it may have been inspired after David and his army defeated the Philistines in a series of military maneuvers described in 2 Samuel 5. Each time that David defeated the Philistines, he gave glory to God and acknowledged that it was by the power and by the hand of the Lord that they had defeated the Philistines. But those words are not applicable just to David living some 1,000 years before the birth of Jesus Christ. Those words are applicable to you and to me. If God had not been on our side in so many different circumstances of our lives, we would be, in David's words, swallowed up alive because God's people today face some of the same type of hostilities that David faced so long ago. Certainly, we face the hostility of the world 
Admittedly, we don't face the Philistines or the Ammonites or Amorites or a multitude of other nations who made war with Israel, but we live in a world, in a world that is united in its hostility against Christ and his people and against the truths of his word, the hostility of the world against Christianity is not just in those distant lands where brothers and sisters in Christ face such severe persecution. We see a rising tide of animosity in our own culture and our own nation against Christ and against Christianity and the truths of the word of God. Prayer was taken out of public schools decades ago. The Ten Commandments have systematically been taken out of public view. The media consistently portrays Christians in a negative light. Personal attacks against God's people are upfront and direct. Should we be surprised? Not according to Jesus who said, if, if they persecute me, they will persecute you. And later on, Jesus said then, they will deliver you up to tribulation and put you to death and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. Ever since the fall of humanity into sin, back in the Garden of Eden so long ago, the world has been a hostile place for believers. It started already when Cain took the life of his righteous brother Abel. And that hostility will continue until the Prince of Peace returns in power and ushers in true eternal peace in the new heavens and the new earth. Along with that hostility of the world, we all face a flood of many troubles. In verse 4 and 5, David is still speaking about Israel's enemies and he likens them to a flood. In verse 4 and 5, he writes, The flood would have swept us away. The torrent would have gone over us. Then over us would have gone the raging waters. Have you noticed how Scripture never sugarcoats? The Christian life, Eliphaz pointed out to Job that man is born to trouble as surely as sparks fly upward from a fire. Jesus said, in this world you will face tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. And Paul and Barnabas strengthened and encouraged believers who were struggling, assuring them that we must through many tribulations, enter into the kingdom of God. We see some of those tribulations and trials and troubles from a distance. Verse 4 and 5 use the metaphor of a flood. And usually, though not always, floods can be anticipated. The hurricane is tracked. We know the course of the storm, and it gives us some time to prepare to board up the windows and to get ready with food supplies and other necessities or to plan an evacuation route. Likewise, after a winter of heavy snow, we know where the melting snow will cause flooding in the lowlands and again we can prepare 
or in the summer when great thunderstorms are coming our way, we hear those warnings issued for flash, flash flooding. We often have time to prepare. But at other times, at other times, floods give no warning at all. The Mideast, with its parched deserts and with its steep ravines, was and still is prone to flash flooding. The sudden downpours are too much for the parched desert to absorb all the water that is coming down, so it goes into the ravines and there's a rush of surging water uh, sweeping people away, bringing a flood of trouble unexpectedly and suddenly into their lives. David certainly understood that troubles, troubles in life are like floods. Some are seen from a distance and we can prepare for them and others come up unexpectedly out of the blue, so to speak, and sweep us away with a flood of trouble and heartache and sorrows. Nothing has changed from David's day. Christians, believers in the Lord, still face the hostility of the world. As believers in the Lord, we still face a flood of problems and troubles in the pilgrimage of this life. And then thirdly, thirdly, Christians are caught in snares when least expected. In verse 7, David writes, we have escaped like a bird from the snare of the fowlers. The snare is broken. We have escaped. Back in David's day, snares were used to catch unsuspecting birds. The snare is an almost invisible thong that will catch its prey either by the foot or around the throat and bring about its destruction. The use of a snare relies on the hidden. It relies on the unexpected, and that is what makes a snare so effective in catching their prey. In the pages of Holy Scripture, snares are often associated with the devil. He is crafty. He is wily. I'm sure you are hearing about that in the series that Pastor Rossi is presenting on the spiritual warfare out of Ephesians 6. We have a foe, an enemy, and he's very crafty, and he puts out many snares for believers. Lord's Day 52 of the Heidelberg Catechism warns us that our sworn enemies, the devil, the world, and our own flesh, that is our own sinful nature, never, never stop attacking us. Sometimes the attacks are open and obvious, easy to spot. Other times the attacks come by way of a hidden snare, a snare of sin, not only presented by the devil or by the allurements of the world that are packaged so attractively and put before our eyes, but the snares so often come from within within our sinful nature, as our sinful nature uh, battles against the Holy Spirit, who by God's grace is also within us, and yet we have that conflict of our sinful nature with the Holy Spirit of Almighty God. Always, always be on guard against the snares, not just of the devil or the snares of the world, 
but the snares that spring from within your heart and my heart. If Psalm 124 only spoke about the hostility of the world, the snares of the evil one and the troubles of life, it would sure be a discouraging psalm, wouldn't it? But the psalm is just the opposite. In all the troubles, in all the hardships, in all the sorrows of life, our comfort is in knowing that, first of all, the Lord God Almighty, the maker of heaven and earth, is on the side of those who have saving faith in his Son, the eternal Messiah, Christ Jesus. Did you notice the double use of the word if in verse 1 and verse 2? If it had not been the Lord who was on our side, let Israel now say, if it had not been the Lord who was on our side, when people rose up against us, then they would have swallowed us up alive. A New Testament counterpart to Psalm 124 is found in Romans 8, verse 31, where the Apostle Paul after describing the greatness of God and the power of his redeeming love, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit and the special relationship that we have with God the Father through saving faith in his Son, asks, if, if God is for us, who can stand against us? And most of you know, I'm sure, what the Apostle goes on to write by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit in Romans 8. If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? No. He writes, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who has loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation can separate us from the love of God that we have in Christ Jesus our Lord. The Lord is indeed on the side of believers in the hostility of the world, in the snares of the evil one. As we fight with our own sinful tendencies deep within us, our sinful nature, yet the Lord is on our side. And that makes his psalm a psalm of great comfort. A second source of great comfort for the Christian amid all the troubles of life and the hostilities that we face and the snares that come into our lives is that the Lord, through it all, protects his people. As verse 6 points out, 
Blessed be the Lord who has not given us prey to their teeth. When David cared for flocks of sheep that his father owned, he had been spared from the teeth of the lion and bear on many occasions, and he always gave the glory to God for sparing his life. You may recall in 1 Samuel 17, verse 37, when David confronted Goliath, he assured King Saul that the Lord would be with him. He said, the Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from this Philistine. Or consider Daniel. Picture in your mind's eye Daniel there in that den of lions and to hear the agonized voice of King Darius. Daniel 6, verse 19 to 22, describes how at the first light of dawn, the king got up and hurried to the lion's den. When he came near the den, he called to Daniel in an anguished voice, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God whom you serve continually been able to rescue you from the lions? Daniel answered, may the king live forever. My God sent his angels and rescued me. He shut the mouths of the lions. Or consider, consider Ezra, who made that long journey through the dangerous desert to Jerusalem and wrote in Ezra 8, verse 31, the hand, the hand of our God was on us and protected us from enemies and bandits along the way. Or consider Stephen as he faced that group of angry Jewish leaders who were incensed at his speech that he gave at the Sanhedrin. And you say, wait a minute, Pastor. I, I think you used the wrong illustration there. Wasn't Stephen stoned to death? Doesn't Acts chapter 7 end with Stephen being stoned to death by the Jewish leaders who hated what he had to say about the word of God? Does that mean that God protected David, protected Daniel and Ezra, but failed to protect Stephen? Not at all. Stephen was protected because he belonged, as does everyone who, by God's grace, has saving faith in Jesus Christ. He, he was protected in life and in death because he belonged to his faithful Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The Lord allowed him to come to the doorway of death as all of us one day will come to that dark and foreboding doorway of death unless the Lord returns in our lifetime. And when the believer comes to that dark and foreboding door, he is protected. He or she can say with confidence those words of Psalm 23, verse 4, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. The true believer, because we belong to the Lord Jesus Christ in life and in death, 
the true believer is protected even as we pass from this life into eternity. And we can exclaim at death, as did Stephen, Look, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. A third source of great comfort. The Lord is the source of our help, and He is able to help because He is the Almighty Creator of the heavens and the earth. The last part of verse 8 qualifies the first part of the verse. The promise that our help is in the name of the Lord is qualified by God's credentials as the maker of the heaven and the earth. He is the one who made this world and all that is in it. I'm sure you've run into this. You want to help someone, but you know that you don't have the resources or the ability or the strength to help them. Your heart goes out to them and you desire to help them, but you simply are not able to. That will never happen with the Lord. He is able to help us. His qualification to help you and his qualification to help me is that he is the maker, the creator of the universe. Was the creation of the world, the creation of this entire cosmos and all that is in, in it, was that a long, hard project for him? One in which he enlisted the entire angelic realm so that through a long cosmic effort, this world could finally come into being? Not at all. He spoke, and this world came into being. He spoke, and by the power of, the world, of his word, the world came into being. What David is saying there in verse 8 is that your help in all the hostilities of life the snares that you encounter, in the struggles and temptations that you have in your life, your help comes from the Lord and he is qualified to help you because he is the creator of the world, the creator of the cosmos. And he still upholds and sustains the world which he created even when it totters. The Lord himself has given us this promise in Psalm 75 verse 3. The Lord says, when the earth totters and all its inhabitants, it is I who's, who hold steady its pillars. After all, God created the earth. He now sustains what he has created, providentially watches over it, works all things in this world toward the very definite and certain end when the Lord Jesus is is revealed in power and glory to judge the living and the dead and to usher in the new heavens and the new earth. God watches over what he has made. He determined the number of stars and calls them each by name. And consider also that he sees the sparrow that falls to the ground. The Lord knows. The Lord cares. And how much more does he know your needs and your cares? How much more does he know what you need in your life and I need in my life? And he assures us that he will work out all things, all things for the good of those who love him, 
who are called according to his purpose. Since, as David says, our help is in the name of the Lord who made the heaven and the earth, what should our response be? First, remember, remember how the Lord has helped and blessed you through the troubles of your life. In this psalm, David is remembering the Lord's work in his life and in the life of Israel as an Old Testament nation. And he writes, if the Lord had not been on our side, we would have been swallowed up alive. In today's vernacular, if the Lord had not been on our side, we would be toast, we would be doomed. In your life and in my life, as you and I reflect back, aren't there many ifs where God intervened in our life in a wonderful and marvelous way, even though we may not have realized it at the time? Aren't there many ifs when you remember back and reflect on your life where God, the maker of the heaven and the earth, guarded you, protected you, cared for you, even though you didn't realize it at the time, but only see it now as you look back at your life in retrospect and see the goodness and the mercy and the power of Almighty God. However, nowhere, nowhere do we see God's help and his deliverance the fact that he is indeed on our side, nowhere do we see that more clearly than when we look at Mount Calvary and see there that God himself was willing to come in human flesh, the eternal Messiah, Christ, as the true man, Jesus, to save his people from their sin. Jesus is the greatest help. He is the only deliverer for he delivered us from the penalty and the curse of our sin as he bore that penalty and that curse in himself on the cross. And we are told to remember. The Bible is a book that calls us time and again to remember. And on the communion table, prominent in most churches are those words of Jesus. Whenever we take of the bread and drink of the cup, we remember those words when Jesus said, do this, do this in remembrance of me. But aren't we, aren't we often like Old Testament Israel in that we forget the Lord and his deliverance, not just from the hostility of the world and the flood of troubles and the snares of the evil one, but we even forget so quickly our deliverance from the judgment of our sin born by Christ and covered by his shed blood on the cross. Christ, of course, is pictured and portrayed throughout the Old Testament. He is the rock that accompanied Israel. And all those Old Testament sacrifices, those bloody sacrifices, and also the ordinances and the other sacrifices were all pointing to Christ. But how quickly the people forgot about God. They forgot about the work of the Lord in their lives. They forgot his protective care. They failed to see his hand of guidance. In Psalm 105, verse 5, the Holy Spirit tells us, remember, 
the wonders he has done, his miracles and the judgments he has pronounced. And one psalm later, Psalm 106, verse 7, we read, when our fathers were in Egypt, they gave no thought to your miracles. They did not remember your many kindnesses, and they rebelled by the sea, by the Red Sea. By contrast, when we consciously remember what God has done in our life and meditated and looked back uh, with deep appreciation for his hand of guidance and provision, then we cannot help but to praise the Lord, even or especially in those deep valleys of life. Verse 6, blessed be the Lord who has not given us prey to their teeth, Blessed be the Lord as you look back in retrospect and see his faithfulness to you throughout your life. Praise be to the Lord. Count your many blessings. Remember what God has done in your life, especially in the deep valleys of life. And you cannot help but praise him. <coughs> Excuse me. A third response is to trust him. Scripture makes it clear that we face the hostility of the world, floods of many troubles, snares when least expected. But Scripture also makes it clear that in all the circumstances of life, we can put our trust in him for our help is in the name of the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. And he will give us all that we need in the pilgrimage through this hostile world. That is true for our personal lives. That is also true for the life of our turbulent, divided nation. On this 4th of July weekend, we remember our founding fathers and we rejoice in the way that our nation was built on the principles of God's word and yet we are grieved as we see our nation turn from those principles and as we see the open hostility of our nation against the word of God and the flood of immorality as people pursue their own pleasures rather than the teaching that God has graciously given to us. The help that our nation needs is not in the political system, although admittedly some political systems are better than others. But ultimately, the help for every nation comes from the Lord. His word tells us righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a disgrace for any people. Every Christian and every nation is a bullseye on the target of the devil. And so too is every church. Every true church faces troubles. I'm sure you've found that. Every church faces the snares and the hostility of the world. And every church faces the attack of the evil one. Both subtle attacks and also upfront in your face attacks because there is nothing more that the devil would like to do than to destroy the bride of Christ, the true church, the one for whom Christ sacrificed himself. But every member of the true church 
can look to the future with full trust and confidence. Our trust and our confidence is not in ourselves, but in him who is the head of the church, the Lord Jesus Christ. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 21 to 23, assures us that when Jesus was raised from the dead, he was raised far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And God the Father put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. The same God who has blessed his church throughout the ages, throughout history, and strengthened her so that the gates of hell cannot prevail against her. We'll continue to lead, guide, and bless his bride for his son, who is the redeemer and the head of the church, is the same yesterday and today and forever, and he will ever be faithful to his people. No matter what the future holds for our nation, for our church, for our individual lives. Our help is in the name of the Lord. He is the maker, the creator, the sustainer of the heavens and the earth. May your trust and my trust always be joyfully focused upon him through saving faith in his dear son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Our Father and our God, how thankful we are that in the troubles of this pilgrimage through life, you are the source of our help and that you are fully qualified to help us in every way, being the maker of heaven and earth. How we thank you for your son, our great high priest, who knows what it's like to be tempted in every way as we are and graciously intercedes in our behalf. How thankful we are for your Holy Spirit who serves as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. How thankful we are, Lord, that you who have begun a good work in your people will carry that work on to the day of Christ Jesus, no matter what comes into our lives, no matter what hostilities or snares or troubles we face. You will see your people through for the sake of your Son and the glory of your name. So encourage us and enable us to be faithful. For we ask it in Jesus' name, amen.